From the boardroom to the locker room, sport captures the imagination like little else. In this podcast, we talk to the men and women who make the big decisions and those who make the big plays to find out where sport is and importantly, where it's going. But we do so through the only eyes that matter, those of the fan. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Are You Not Entertained? This week, it is myself and my partner in crime, Roger Mitchell, for Goal on Goal. Roger, how are you, mate? I'm good. I'm good. I've just finished watching, as we record this, uh, the, set, the quarterfinal with uh, Morocco. Ah, uh, yes. Morocco and Portugal. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, yes. Man, man, oh, man. Uh, I have to say, I have to say, uh, that was the first time I'd seen Morocco. I had been told by my brother-in-law, Davide, who you know, who is a big uh, football expert and ex-player as well. He told me that they were really good. I didn't believe them. Uh, But uh, yeah, I think they deserved it. And I think, you know, what they've done so far has been remarkable. Oh, it's been fantastic. um, uh, And of course, that's the end of Cristiano. Um, didn't, Didn't play in the last couple of games from the start for them. And I think that's his um, that's his book finished. I would say. Well, mate, it, he could still go on to uh, to glory in the Saudi Arabian League next year. So you know there could be a couple more yeah. trophies left in his uh, his pocket. <laughs> it's quite possible. <laughs> if not, yeah, he'd need yeah. a big no, trophy to put all the money off. in. <laughs> yeah, but hats off to Morocco. Hats off also to Croatia, who. Um, who I thought were, were just fantastic. The Modric is a, a force of nature. You know that's the kind of player yeah, I like. Yeah. The Modric, Iniesta, Pirlo types. And just to see him is, is magnificent. Uh, Brazil were my favourites up until the fact that they started that little dancing thing. And, um, <laughs> and, 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 and karma, did you see the little uh, meme with uh, Modric and the, yeah. the pigeons? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's good. It's oh, good. man. I mean, the World, look, the World Cup, with all the stuff going on in the lead-up to it, you knew the World Cup was going to deliver because it always does, you know. Or, or, most times it does. I think South Africa was, for me, the big outlier. That was a pretty crappy World Cup. But, um, you know, it, it, it's it's always got great goals, great performances, surprises, upsets. You know, it, it's been great. It's It's been really, really good. And this Morocco team... I've played a big part in that, Rog. I mean, I, I had seen them, and I had seen that they were they were a decent team. Oh. I mean, I, before the before the quarterfinals, I was talking to um, to Remy, a French friend of mine, and I, I said, you know, for me, the winner of England France is the favourite for this competition. The, at Brazil, I didn't see an awful lot in Brazil. That I thought was dangerous. Same with Argentina. I don't think. They're great teams, Roger. I think England and France are the two best teams in the competition. You'll probably disagree with that being a Scotsman. Um, but uh, that, that that was the way I saw it. And obviously to see Brazil get knocked out, Argentina, yeah. I mean, scraped through against the, what I thought was a terribly poor Dutch team. Um, Terrible. And, and, you know, and Croatia, look, England have had their run-ins with Croatia in World Cups recently. And it's they're just that kind of team that you think, well, we should beat them. And then... You struggle, and then they're 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 just tough. But you see, Grant, Grant, why? Uh, you know, I I've got so many English mates that I'm not going to be able to not support England, right? So I'm not coming at from the old Billy Bremner, you know, you can't say a good word about them type thing. Why do you say you know we should beat them? What in your history? No, 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 nothing to do with history, Roger. I, I look at the Croatia team at this World Cup. I look at the England team at this World Cup. I think England are more dangerous. I think England are really? a more dangerous team than really? Croatia. It's that simple. I do. But who have you played? I, do. I don't who see have Croatia you so as dangerous. Who, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, this is a little bit the thing about me and Southgate. I don't think he's, um, despite getting to a semi against Croatia and getting to a final against Italy... If you take a really poor Germany team apart in the semi-final, if you if you leave them aside, he, he's never really come up against anybody and 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 triumphed. In in my opinion, for me, and we'll see tonight. You're right. This is a big game tonight, and um, we will see what this English team is about tonight. 
I, pers- I agree. I, I agree. I personally don't think there is enough evidence that they could be um, any of the other uh, semi-finalists so far. I, I have to say that, and and including Morocco in that. Uh, but you know, I am ready to be proven wrong. I still think that as as one of one of um, one of the English fans said to me, you know, I don't think we can win a World Cup with Maguire and Pickford. I, I've always felt that. Um, I have. I must admit, however, uh, the last game, the, the the three midfielders, the ones the the ones that are considered the holding midfielders, I was very impressed by Henderson who, you know, is now considered a central holding midfielder, but really isn't if you look at, you know, where he came from as a career. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think those three are very strong. They're not going to be swept away. Um, But, you know, I just don't think England have got anything like a Modric or, or uh, you know, Verratti, or, 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 or as I keep saying, you know, like you've got one of them, but you put them on the wing in Foden. But tonight, tonight's game, I think, will be super fascinating, you know, because you're right. If 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 England win this, you know, there's a decent chance against Morocco. Not saying they're favourites, decent chance. And I agree with you. I think Argentina are not any great shakes. Um, it was quite funny to see the glorious Dutch uh, last night turn into Wimbledon FC for the last ten minutes, which I grow in all. <laughs> You know, so it, it has been an interesting World Cup, but uh, I must admit, Croatia, I, I just love what they are doing. And, and you know, um, I can't wait to like, you know, when we finish this podcast, just sit down with some rosé, uh, not be super intense in, in wanting one team to win or the other, but just enjoying uh, a game of high, high jeopardy. That's going to be a great evening, man. Yeah, no, I I agree. I agree. We'll see. We'll we'll see what happens. You know, I'm I'm not a, a tub thumping English fan. You know, it's uh, we're going to beat everyone we stand in front of. But I, I have to say, I'm looking at the the players we've got and the mood and everything else. That all the intangibles. And I, and I I think we've got a chance if we can get past France. But that's a big if. They're a they're a tough team. They're a very tough team. So we'll see. But anyway, Rog, goal on goal. What have we got this week? <laughs> yes. Anything interesting yeah, for me? I, I do. I, I do. Um... A little bit again uh, from both sides of the spectrum. Uh, in the in the grand scheme of headlines that you see every day in your timeline now, that you think, what the fuck is going on in the world? Right? You know, listen, listen to this. Have you heard of Frank Hepner? Do you know who Frank Hepner is? Right, he's a celebrity no. chef, and you're you might be saying, well, what's that got to do with sport? Well, Frank Hepner, Hepner celebrity chef, is also the father-in-law of uh, David Alaba you know, the Real Madrid and Austria player. Yeah, yeah. So here's the headline that um, <laughs> caught my eye. Celebrity chef Frank Hepner was reportedly amongst the 25 people arrested uh, <laughs> trying to execute a coup in Germany where the plan was to assassinate the German chancellor and supplant him with a 71-year-old Heinrich VIII, Prince of Royce, as the leader of the German state. <laughs> David Alaba's father-in-law brackets celebrity chef. <laughs> that would be some reality show, Roger. That would be some reality show. Yeah, but what is going on, man? How is this even possible that Germany, there's people thinking about a coup d'etat? Well, look, we, we, we saw... We saw the events of January 6th in the US a couple of years ago, so none of these things are, 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 <laughs> are out of bounds these days. <laughs> the world is a is a very crazy space. But I, I have to say, if I had been doing that, Rog, I'd have stuck Gordon Ramsay up front, not Frank Hebner. <laughs> no, but just think about I'd it. Ste- definitely put- step back a minute and just read the headline. One coup d'etat yeah. in Germany, like night, night of the long knives again. <laughs> Assassinated. Hey, perfect. Well, you, you definitely need perfect. a chef. I never saw that link I would have used it myself <laughs> but jeez so Christmas is coming up you know like let's get the crackers out hello Mr. Father-in-law what have you been doing recently <laughs> <laughs> well he's innocent until proven guilty Rog 
innocent until proven guilty. Oh man! <laughs> Listen, it could have been it could have been a celebrity looky likey these days. You never know. I'm sure there is someone who earns a living being a looky likey of a celebrity chef. <laughs> oh man! So that's my that's my opening gambit. Over to you, mate. Well, let's, let, let me let me uh, let me throw one at you um, for discussion. I don't know if you saw this. Um, Baker Mayfield. Do you know who Baker I do Mayfield not. is? I've heard the name, but I don't know who it is. Baker Mayfield is a is a quarterback in the NFL, and he um, he went to I think Texas Tech for a while. Then he ended up at Oklahoma, where he won the Heisman Trophy in his senior year. Went to the Cleveland Browns in a in a with a huge amount of fanfare. Um, uh, did a good job for the Cleveland Browns. Did a very good job for the Cleveland Browns, who've been one of those franchises that yeah. just have never won anything for years yeah. and years and years. And then you know next year after after his good rookie season he gets into arguments with the with the management uh gets traded to the carolina panthers suffers a loss of form has trouble with the management there as well you know and there's a lot of people saying no this guy's a bust he's out so the panthers trade him to the rams uh just a week ago and he arrives at the rams on tuesday and the rams have a game on the thursday night um (laughs) Uh, Thursday night football. So he's 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 with the team for two days now. As a quarterback, there's an awful lot of stuff to learn oh, yes. in two days. If you're going to learn yes. the plays, you're going to play. You, know, it's, it's, it, it, you can't it, just it's walk on the field. You can just slot into right. <laughs> so he doesn't start the game. Um, their 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 uh, existing quarterback, I forget the guy's name, starts the game. Um, but he's got a, some kind of injury, and so uh, they bring Mayfield into the game um, fairly early on, and. Uh, Anyway, he, he plays the game. Uh, he's obviously having to use a, 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 a much smaller playbook than the team have available because <laughs> he's going to have time to lose them. And uh, with about a minute left, he's on his own two-yard line and he drives the team 98 yards down oh, the no. pitch and throws the winning touchdown with oh, nine no. seconds left on the clock. Absolutely re- remarkable performance. I mean, truly, to, to come in as a, as a quarterback and do that with you know with a day and a half of being with the team was just absolutely extraordinary and you'll see the highlights up there and you'll see the reaction of not just him but his teammates the coaches it was it was one for the ages it was it was Brady-esque oh, my, my um, man and Joe Montana uh, yeah, is more like on, type thing yeah 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 it's happened to, well Brady I forget who it was again but Brady once played a famous game that he won that's right 17-16 um uh, so it was it was just fantastic. It was it was so good to see, and you, know, you saw the guy in his press conference after. So and I, I you know I I don't know much about him that I you know I just haven't seen in, in public stuff. I haven't read an awful lot about him, but you know he, he, despite what had obviously happened at, at the at the Panthers and previously at the Browns, he just he seemed like a either he's either a humble young man or he's a humbled young man. I don't know which. But he That's um, a great line, man. That he, is a great line. You know, Grant. he sounded he sounded great. He sounded great and he sounded grateful. And uh, you know, it was it was just one of those really good stories of, of redemption that, that sport throws us ever so often. I, I love that. I love that. I, I, and like what do you th- what age do you think he is? Do you think he's um you know Oh he's twenty four, twenty five. Right. So some, he's still got a full career ahead of him then. So yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. That's that's excellent. That's excellent. I'll, I'll look up that video after this and we'll post it. Um, yeah, you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy yeah. it. Uh, I, I've, that is a great one. Um, <laughs> I've got another one coming back at you now, just like a little bit like Christmas crackers, uh, th- this episode. Did you did you see Shaq getting pushed into the Christmas tree? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. He's on whatever show it is there, you know, like the the pundit show. There's, uh, I think there's Barkley there as well. I may be wrong. Oh, yeah. inside inside the NBA, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And, and there's this coach uh, uh, host Kenny. I don't know who Kenny is. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Right. So you, you, Kenny Smith and there's Ernie 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 Jones. I think right. Name. Okay, so so Ernie they're Smith, in the, yeah. they're in the studio and and like the camera's on the desk where they're sitting around. And, and Shaq gets up and he's makes something, oh, that's enough, I'm leaving. Uh, and this guy, Kenny, leaves his seat, goes round the outside and whacks him. You know, like, Shaq, it's Shaq, you know, like, it's not somebody my size, it's Shaq. But he yeah. gets the timing so well that he sends him flying into this massive Christmas tree. <laughs> massive Christmas tree. <laughs> 
And like, well, if it's massive against Shaq, who's seven three, well, yeah, it is massive yeah, yeah, yeah. But like he was underneath it and he couldn't get up and he had to give him. A, it was just one of those, you know, like just beautifully timed where you use their weight against them, you know, just boom. <laughs> and he said, so, "Yeah." Right. <laughs> Talk, talking to Shaq and, and Christmas, I, I, a buddy of mine told me a great story once. He was in uh, Lake Tahoe, uh, I think it was New Year's Day, and they had a whole, the whole family was there having lunch at some restaurant in, in Tahoe, New Year's Day, and they, and they had a, a long table, and my buddy uh, Mark was up by the, at the end of the table, quite near the maitre d' stand, and he said uh, about halfway through the meal, the door opens and in walks Shaq, and he's wearing... <laughs> a floor-length white mink coat, a white mink hat, and carrying a cane with a silver top on it. Why not? Seven foot three of mink. That's a lot of mink. <laughs> and um, Mark overhears Shaq talk at the major here, and he's obviously a regular in the restaurant. He goes, oh, Mr. O'Neill, it's great to see you. And look, I'm really sorry. Um, you know, it's New Year's Day. We don't have your regular table, but we've got, um, we've got a private room out the back for you that, that maybe you wouldn't mind having. <laughs> and Shaq leans in and says, that's okay, man. I'm trying to be incognito today anyway. <laughs> Seven feet of white mink and a yeah. white mink hat. He's trying to be incognito. I love that story. That, that reminds me a little bit uh, of earlier in my week when I had the, um, the, the kind of like Christmas party for the boys here at Spuma, you know, the restaurant, you know, the guys you met, yep. the young ones. So it was the kind of like year end. <laughs> and it was, what's the best way to explain this? It was a Gen Z event. You know, and, okay. and, and, you know, like, so uh, I've always been a little bit of a kind of like somebody on the side and just looking at human humanity as it goes by, you know. So I really enjoyed this evening and just checking out all the people. And there was, um, there was a couple of incidents that, that I remember now. Um, they, they had done this thing really well. Every room, you were eating different food. It was all magnificent. Then there was this kind of like secret room that was a martini bar. But, you know, you needed a, to, to solve a riddle to get into it. It was really cool. So uh, uh, I got into the Martini bar uh, and uh, there's this girl in there and, like, you know, uh, they're, they're all young. They're all 19 to 23, something like that. And, like, you know when you can tell that she's not paced the evening well? Do you know what I mean, Grant? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. She, she, she was over-exuberant for what was about half ten at that, <laughs> at that point in the night. I went up to her and said, uh, listen, love, take it easy. I don't think she appreciated that. Um, but anyway, later in the after party, I saw her in the corner and hacking up her guts. <laughs> and, I, and, and I thought, you need to listen to the old people. This is a lesson for Gen Z in general. Listen to the old people. <laughs> so uh, this after party in itself, magnificent. So uh, uh, there's this guy who, who was about, what, 30? He was a wee bit older. And... Um, you know these people that have become very comfortable with rejection in life. Do you know what I mean? Some people are they 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 yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like so he he's standing in the middle of the dance floor, and like he's older than most of them, and he wasn't as well dressed as them because most of them were dressed a bit like Shaq. It was all a little bit over there, and like so he'd wait for a girl to kind of walk past, and then he would start really aggressive dancing with her. You know, like you know, right. like lambada merengue stuff. You know, like you know all the touchy feely kind of like hip action stuff. And like, because everybody's nice, they were going along with it. But that was a signal for him to continue. <laughs> and, then, and then every so often it ended badly. And, and like, uh, you know, that's what I mean. He was comfortable with getting the knot back. Uh, but so it was, it was very funny. It was very funny. At one point, this girl looks over to me because, as I say, I was right beside the, the dance floor. She says, Ayuta me, Ayuta me, help me, help me get away from this guy. <laughs> well, I, we both know there's no getting away from that guy. There is no getting away from that guy. But this is the other guy, you know, like, the, the, uh, 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 you know how I don't buy any cigarettes and I always catch one at the end of the day. So uh, I was um, just outside the, the thing and I got a cigarette off somebody and was walking back and... Um, this guy in a, a white mink coat, it wasn't, well, it was fake mink and it wasn't seven foot long, but he was exuberant in the way he was dressing. And he says, um, you got a light or you got another fag? Uh, and I said, no, I've just actually stole it from somebody else. He says, I don't believe you. I don't, I don't believe you. 
And I said, uh, look, mate, what can I tell you? I don't have another fag. Best I can do is we can share this one. You know, we'll do alternate drags. Yeah. And anyway, we hit it off and like uh, he was chat. he was like, he, he looked a little bit like Elton John about 1973, you know, on the American tours, that kind of idea. Um, and um, anyway, so uh, one, one of the boys uh, walked past and said, um, four million in my ear, whispered in my ear, four million. I said, uh, uh, Maurice, four million what? Four million followers. <laughs> this guy's one of the big influencers in Milan. <laughs> that's that's the currency these days. Four million, two million, five million. Oh man, it's not my world, right? So I tell you, it's not my. You got world. you got to get with that world. You got to watch that world. That's no, where the, that's where the stuff comes from. Yeah, no, I, I I don't I don't I don't I don't doubt it at all. But it's just I could care less how many followers anyone's got to be honest, including including myself. Um, <laughs> Well, listen. What else, what else we got now? Well, I've, uh, I've got a couple. I've got a couple on fire away. Well, let me just let me just slip a quick one in here, and then you can throw it. Did you see um, that wonderful moment when Beckham visited the England training camp with Bukayo Saka? No. Did you see this? No. Oh, it's fantastic. Beckham's there, and he's chatting away, and he's chatting with Southgate, um, and there's a camera kind of in the background filming the filming, if you if you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So it's catching a much wider catching a much wider uh, view. And Saka's kind of on the edge and he waits for a pause in the conversation and he says, uh, excuse me, I'm, I'm really sorry to interrupt. And Beckham kind of looks at him with a big smile on his face and Saka goes, could I get a photo with you, please? <laughs> it, was just, it was just magnificent. It was so, it was such a great moment. And Beckham's like, are you kidding me? Of course you can. So he gets in there and you can see the look on Saka's face. That There he is having his picture taken <laughs> with his idol, David Beckham. And it was, I don't know, it just, it was such a great moment. And it, you could tell a lot about Saka by watching the way he did that and how patient he was and how polite and how nervous he was and how humble he was. It was just, it was just, it was a two second thing, but it was just beautiful to watch. No, no, I get that. And I also get the, 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 the vibe you're given for that young man. In another interview, uh, whether you believe or not, it's not important. But, you know, the way he spoke so well about his faith and his Christianity um, I, I really thought that this, this, I've always liked Saka, you know, like, uh, we've been forward, yeah. but I mean, this, this young lad is, I think he's the right stuff. And he's one of the reasons I think I'll really be, you know, hoping that England do well tonight. I think he's a fantastic young man. Yeah, no, agreed, agreed. Well, listen, what else have you got for me? Well, I've got something, um, you know, the Nick Bolletieri stuff that he died this week and everything like that. Yes, I saw, that. I saw um, that. Right, I mean, I'm not sure there's much to say about that that's not already been covered. I mean, the guy was married eight, nine times. Um, and, and, and when you see the interviews, you know, um, he's an Italian New Yorker. You know, like he's Carmine's clam bar in the village. You know, like it's like, yeah. it's a stereotype, you know? He absolutely is a guido. In, in other language, he's a guido. Uh, and like, you know, married eight or nine times. My God. Um, and then, you know, you, anyway, but that's what, so kind of trolling all that stuff. I saw an old clip of, uh, John McEnroe, uh, Grant, I saw an old clip when about 10 years ago, maybe a wee bit more at the U S open Djokovic asked him to come down and hit a couple of points with him when he was in the booth, he was in the commentary booth, uh, McEnroe. Right. So, so he's in slacks, um, and he's in a white shirt and he's on normal, with normal sneakers. He comes in, he comes down. And uh, they have a bit of a laugh in imitating each other. And then McEnroe serves, you know, that totally iconic action. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. totally. No serve like it. Nobody, no serve like it. Side on, side, side on. But I mean, yeah, like, yeah, it, like yeah. It, it, it's not the first serve he does, it's about the third one. So, I mean, what I'm basically saying is he slipped into that suit of greatness about after. At 30 seconds, two serves. He puts this serve in, and of course, it's Djokovic. It's a great return, man. It's a great return. And um, it's a very low volley, you know, about five meters in from the baseline, because he's not running to the, the net the way he used to. He's running a bit slower. Yeah. And and yeah. Uh, he just plays this beautiful winner, forehand low volley, cross court. And like Djokovic, you could just see he's just like, man. That was, and the crowd went berserk, Grant. This isn't, yeah, a, of course this, <laughs> this isn't a new thing. It's like about 2009 or 10 or 11 or something. But, you know, to right, see right, right. to see McEnroe 
And, you know, I, I, I link it to that a quote that I picked up from Nick Bolletieri when he was referring to Federer. He quoted, Federer moves like a whisper and executes like a wrecking ball, which is, of course, very yeah. true. It's very true, isn't that, Grant? But yeah. but Mac yeah. McEnroe, McEnroe um, and we'll come back to this maybe a wee bit later or, or you know, the article that I did this week. Um, McEnroe was more Maradona to... Federer's Messi, I think. I loved McEnroe. You know, even... Yeah, no, just, I agree. Just, um, and then you, you need to see that clip. It was beautiful, man. Yeah, I I, I was a huge McEnroe fan. Uh, I think he's great. And I think he's every bit as good in the commentary booth as he was as he was on the on the court. You know, it's, uh, it's good. You, you have to send me that link. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that uh, thing. I had a t funny... Talking about tennis, um, I can't remember if I told you the story. I, I had a, a really good buddy of mine, Timmy Scanlon, who was... Uh, I used to work with and he he was a big time tennis player and he went to the Bolletieri Academy um, oh. down in Florida and um, you know ended up not going down the tennis road he went into banking or whatever and, and um, anyway one year I was going to the UK from when I was living in New York and I, I'm on a flight I was going to before I went to London I was going to play golf in Scotland and so I'm on the plane waiting to take off uh, at Newark airport and the, and the flights being held up and we're, you know we're they haven't closed the doors yet. Yeah. And the seat next to me is empty. And so, you know, waiting, waiting. And then a guy comes in and, and you know, I'm, I'm kind of sitting on the window seat and he's standing up and putting someone in, in the in the overhead um, compartment. Sits down, it's Jim Courier. And he was going uh, over yes, to yes. the UK. He was just, this would have been April time. So he was going over to cover the French Open and Wimbledon for American TV. And so... We strike up a conversation. It was his guitar he was putting in the overhead locker. We strike up a conversation. A lovely guy, just a really nice man, you know, and, and just we were just chit-chatting about this, that, and the other, and I knew he was a big golfer. So we started talking about golf, and it turned out we were going to be playing golf at the same uh, golf club in Scotland at, at some point in the trip. So I said, oh, yeah. I said, yeah, have you played there before? And he said, no. I said, you're going to love it, blah, blah, blah. And chit-chat, chit-chat. We have dinner, and then we both go to sleep. We wake up the next morning, you know, chat a bit more, get off the plane, you know, and I said, have a great trip and off you know off, off he goes so i go and meet uh, scanlon and we we have three or four other mates joining us uh anyway the next morning we we stayed in a in a above a pub not far from the golf club and we we pull into the golf course the next morning to go and play and we're getting out the car i was driving timmy was on the other side of the car and next to us as we pull up a, like a, a a minivan type thing had yeah. just pulled up before us so i get out my side and i've got my back to the minivan. Tim gets out and he's looking across our car towards the minivan and out of the minivan gets uh, Aaron Curdia. Crickstein, oh. the, the, the tennis player. Oh. Aaron, Aaron Crickstein, right? So Tim, who's a big tennis guy, goes, God, God, don't look now. You're never going to guess who just got out of the van behind. He's Aaron Crickstein. And I'm like, I wouldn't recognise Aaron yeah. Crickstein if he gave me a haircut. I'm don't like, look now. Okay. Jesus. <laughs> a bit over the and, top. And then, and, then, <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then Timmy goes, oh my God, you never guess who's with him. Jim Courier. I went, Jim Curry, and he went, yeah, don't look, don't look, don't look, don't look. Oh, that's great. So I turn around, I turn around, and Jim Curry goes, hey, Grant, how are you, buddy? And I'm like, oh, you're right, Jim. <laughs> I just totally like, ignore him like this. And I turn around, and Scanlon's face is joy. It was, it was as close to the Frank Sinatra, not now, with yeah. a lady. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly what and I was Scanlon thinking was, there. Scanlon was like, you know Jim Courier? I said, oh, we've been mates for years, Jim. And I, I said, to be honest with you, he's a bit of a pain in the arse. Yeah, fuck off, Jim. <laughs> it was, it was close rank. Like you said, with Jim Scanlon. <laughs> oh, listen, listen on, on this kind of theme, just another quick little cadeau here. Um, did you see the South Korean team? You know, the goalie in the back four, they're all named Kim. Did you see that, Grant? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you hear? I think it was the Italian announcer announcing the team. This is what I was going to did say. Did you see that clip? I, yeah, yeah. I, oh, I, sorry. I, 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 I was, I'm no, it's good. No, no, it's good because, like, I think I was half sleeping watching it or something like that. And I woke up <laughs> and, I, and I kind of like woke up because, like, and it was like, it was like, fucking, who's on first? Abbott and Costello. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Kim, 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 Kim. So it was this, it was like that. And then obviously here it continued and these commentators realised how funny all this was and they, they, they did start this kind of like gag about something like Abbott and Castell. It was really funny. 
But I've been talking about that, talking about that. One of the things that, um, uh, that we can't leave the World Cup without mentioning Japan. And uh, what a lesson. I mean, I don't know anything about Japan, Grant. I've never been there. I've, I've learned vicariously from people that have been are married to the Japanese people or have been. That culture is truly unique. You know, the players cleaning the dressing room, the fans, even yeah. the, 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 the coach bowing the way he did. I, I, I'm in total awe of that, Grant. Is that really a thing or, or do they play that up? No, 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 not at all. Not at all. Um, that's When I saw that, it didn't surprise me. You know, I lived there for almost four years so it didn't surprise me in in the slightest right not in the slightest but i mean like, the way the world is today that is a total outlier you know this kind of like good behavior you know society uh doing things with honor uh, jesus i mean like total respect yeah, you know no absolutely that's 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 that, that's that's the way it is over there right that's the way that's the way it works and, and you know, i think you're right which the amount of press coverage that that's got shows you how big an outlier it is, right? It really does. That's right. That's right. No, I, I, I was astonished. Um, um, equaled only in my admiration for the for the Iranian athletes and the anthem. We mentioned this before, but the story's moved on a little bit. There's um, now this Iranian volleyball coach, I think, and Faime Karimi, um, mother of three. She's a volleyball player. She's been condemned to death in, in Iran. Now, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, sh- shifting gears a little bit, Grant. Tell us as much as you can what the hell is going on geopolitically with Iran, because um, you know we read things, we see things about you know culture police being. I, I, it's hard to follow, and then you add in you know the geopolitics about whether they're mates with Saudi or or they're not, and you know whether they're building a nuclear bomb or whether they're trading oil and gold. G- give us. Two or three minutes of your genius on geopolitics in Iran. Well, I'm I'm I'm, I'm no geopolitical genius, and I, I think I think to be honest, this this is a very Iran centric situation. I don't think this necessarily has broader implications. I think what you're talking about here is 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 very much um, uh, a, a popular uprising against the kind of hardline um, hardline religious. Uh, regime in power there. Um, it began with um, the, the death of a woman who was out protesting uh, about women being forced to wear the hijab wherever they are in public. And you know you've got you've got this younger generation now, um, and we and we've seen we've seen this happen over the years that aren't aren't willing to uh, to kind of just bow down to to the kind of uh, restrictions being put on them by. By the by, the Iranian regime, and you know that 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 change of generations um, is something you're going to see right across the Middle East. If you look at the demographic picture of the world, the Middle East, North Africa is the only place where you will see uniformly strong demographics, i.e., uh, a lot more youngsters than there are uh, old people. You know, the West, yeah. is, um, the pyramid's upside down now, and so you've got a, a very few young taxpayers trying to support an enormous amount of people on welfare. Um, and the Middle East, North Africa, is and, and parts of Asia uh, are, are the only places where you see these really strong demographics. So, you, this I suspect is 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 the tip of the iceberg. As as young people, these is, is these big millennial and Gen Z generations start to become politically aware and start to rebel against the kind of repressive stuff that's being put on them. You know, we, we've 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 seen um, Western nations try and impose democracy upon. Some yes. of these countries for a long, long time now. When the reality is, you know, the, the, those nations will arguably seize democracy for themselves once they get to the point where they have these young generations educated. I mean, you know, the the Iranian um, uh, younger generations are extraordinarily well educated. Always uh, have been. Persia. Phenomenally so. Always have been. Always have been. Always have been. So you know, it it it. It feels like it was really only ever a matter of time before they they became politically aware and and em- empowered enough to rise up and do something about it. And the the size of the protest has been remarkable, Roger. And, and you know, it we has. Saw, that's why I'm asking you. I think, I think 
It's, yeah, yeah. I, I think we we spoke about this in 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 one of our earlier goal and goes after the you know England and Denmark and these other countries backed down from wearing an armband and we looked at what the Iranian players did and the and the, the guts it took for them to do that. Um, that's that's the point they've reached now. I think in Iran where where the youngsters are saying no more. And and if you um, if you if you have read or you read the fourth turning. Um, by Neil Howe and Bill Strauss, uh, which is a book yeah. I recommend to anybody to understand, yeah. you'll realize that this this is the point where institutions have lost the faith and trust of the public and, and the public want more autonomy and more um, freedom to express themselves. And, and that's not just something that you see in the West. That's a, that's a, you know, it's a demographic thing. So, it's, so it's, it's worldwide. And we're seeing that now in, in places like Iran where where the people are rising up against oppression and and trying to do something about it, and I and I, I think this is this is just the beginning of that unrest. And you know, I, we saw them disbanding the cultural guard this week, which That's is what a, I mean, yeah. you know, kind of throwing a bone to the to the protesters, um, which tells you that the regime is taking it very seriously. The question is, will that be enough? And I, and I severely doubt it because we we saw. Um, someone else get executed a couple of days later. So I don't think, I, I don't think this is the end of it. This is the beginning. I mean, the, the, the nuclear weapon stuff is, is a huge complication, obviously. Um, the Saudi relations with Iran is another enormous complication, but I think it's important to understand that this protest is, is not part of those things. This is not a protest against nuclear weapons. It's not a protest, you know, it's, a, it's a protest looking for personal freedoms. I yeah, think but, that's, but, that's but, but really bear, bear, bear with me a little bit, Grant. You know, you know I like to wind the, the, the tape forward a little bit. So if if Iran internally does get a lot more democracy, um, they, are, they are not currently friends with their neighbours in the region, um, especially Saudi, who are not democracies. We've, we've, we've talked for a month about this in Qatar and, and everything like that. Now, they, they are not democracies and... Um, it's a society of extremely wealthy people, immigrant workers, and a very, very small middle class in the middle. Um, my point is this. If Iran does go, let's say, I won't use the term Western, I will say de- democratic, um, that's not going to be isolated and ring-fenced to Iran. That's going to knock on to everything, Grant, is it not? Yeah, no, and that was my point. I said all, all the all the efforts that the West has made into imposing democracy on people, it, 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 it have really come to nothing. In fact, you could say arguably in in quite a few cases, done more harm than good. But if it if it comes naturally, if it's organic like this, um, we you know we could see we could see this spread across the region. It's possible, Rod. You know, look, you, you look at what is happening in Saudi. I think MBS, for all his obvious flaws. <laughs> um, He's of that generation, and I think he recognises that um, there are things he's going to need to do to, if nothing else, and be cynical, ensure his own survival. So it depends. It, it, but this this could absolutely pick up steam. I could I could see how that could happen for sure. It could absolutely pick up steam and become something much broader um, in the region. But we'll have to wait and see. It's a little too early to tell right now. Well, did you see how the Chinese were... Um were greeted with by Saudi Arabia when they arrived. Very, very, very different from Biden. Uh, and, you know, I, I just think this is a moment where uh, uh, a lot of things, with a lot of money and a lot of resources, oil is all kind of changing at the same time. And uh, I think it's extremely high volatility, mate. Really high. Well, that, but that's a, that's a different thing. I think the, the, the first thing we're talking about is a grassroots I get that. rebellion. I get that. Um, the second thing is arguably, strangely, much more significant, um, but it's certainly not driven by the people. This is driven by the need for national security in terms of resources, um, uh, political alliances and stuff. I mean, we've just seen the Chinese set up a means by which to pay for oil with the Gulf states in, in their <laughs> so, own currency. That's my point, all this stuff. A huge, huge deal. A huge deal. Um, and, and this is look, this is this is a whole rabbit hole. We can go down. No, well, let's not do that. Yeah, we'll do it another it's, day. It's way too detailed for this. But but yeah, there are there are significant changes afoot, which always happen in these fourth turnings. Um, and as I said again, I think anyone who hasn't read the fourth turning doing so would would, would 
be a very useful way to frame some of the stuff that's going on right now in a much broader context because it's these are big significant changes they're not they're not micro level changes they're very much macro level changes yeah i'm going to give you my my own my own goal of the the week which is 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 sporty but it's it's in the very big same theme about um you know uh, did you see Portnoy from Barstool? I know you don't like Portnoy, Portnoy or Barstool. I actually think he has got a way of communicating that is very effective. Have a real rant about SBF and um, the FTX and why he's not been subpoenaed and suggesting that, you know, everybody's got their um, their hand in the, the jar. A little bit Michel Monesque. What did you think about, you know, that rant? And, and in general, it looks as if he's going to get away with it, doesn't it, Grant? Uh, yeah, look, um, I, I don't know if he's going to get away. There, there are certainly some very unsettling signs right now, Rog. Um, the fact that he's not in handcuffs being one of them, but he's in the Bahamas. You know, these things do take time. I and mean, look, it, it took four years for Elizabeth Holmes to be sentenced. It took almost five years for Sonny Balwani to get sentenced in the Theranos case. Um, so I, I, I haven't given up hope that he'll, he'll end up getting his uh, just rewards. Um, but certainly the way this is playing out as some kind of kabuki theatre uh, with him being politely asked if he wouldn't mind awfully popping over to DC and testifying in um, uh, an investigation into what's happened um, with the collapse of, of FTX. I, I don't know, Rich, but Portnoy for me, um, you know, I, I, I don't dislike Portnoy. I, 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 I don't. The way he does his thing doesn't resonate well. With I know me, it's I not you. I know it's it not you. Artificial, um, and I did see that rant. Uh, and and for me, the lost opportunity here is Portnoy is ranting to his audience, and his audience just love the beef, right? We've we've talked in the past about the, the fake beef at Barstool, and you know when I see this Arsenal guy at Barstool, yeah, and he's all horrible. The, the yeah. fake aggro. Uh, honestly, it, it turns my stomach and I, and I cannot for the life of me get inside the head of anybody that watches that and gets an ounce of enjoyment out of it other than going, this is just pathetic what they're doing. That's hard. But, but that, Portnoy's different, but, I think. I think he does no, speak I th- to I think uh, an audience. Is, he's a little different. He's he's a horse of a similar colour and, 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 and what I mean by that is I think he could be the voice for that generation, for that group, if he would just try not to play to them and try to get them to take things more seriously. You know, the, all this, when he, when he went on that rant, you know, it was a three-minute rant, uh, a minute and a half of which was him repeating himself over and over again and doing, oh, making stupid voices. Yeah, I thought that worked for me, Grant. I thought that worked for me. That's, that's where you and I are different. Look, it, I thought that worked. I yeah. thought that was really effective. It, it, it does, Raj, but, but look, he, he, look, you lose the message in the delivery, right? You go on and on and on about this. You take three minutes to make a point he could have made very, very well in a minute and a half. And people, that audience, forget what the message was. They're just like, oh, have you seen Portnoy ragging on this guy, SFB or whatever his name is? Have you seen him? Portnoy's going off on one. It's not... I don't think it helps. I don't think, I don't think he, he, he packs as much weight the way he does this as he could do if he actually well, tried to take, take that audience that love that shtick and say, right, let's be serious okay, for a moment okay. here. So you're, Here's you're, what's going on. Here's what's happened. Yeah. You're right, Grant. You're basically saying he could do better, right? Okay, probably. But compared to the coverage of uh, SBF and FXT in the so-called mainstream media, he was the only one putting down certain truth bombs, Grant, about, you know, the the contributions to the Democratic Party and wonder why they're not subpoenaing him now. I never heard anything uh, as strong as that from an awful lot, and also in the sports industry, an awful lot of people just basically saying, well, uh, I wonder what happened, who could have seen it coming? That's that's why I mean it's I think Roger, it's worse than that. It's worse than that. It's way worse than that. If you look at if you look at the New York Times coverage, and they're trying to make him out to be some kind of altruistic guy who was a bit unlucky, and go, it, it is disgraceful. The the, the the coverage, particularly from the New York Times. I mean, the other coverage uh, has been slightly better. The New York Times coverage is 
an absolute abomination to to the masthead of that newspaper, uh, an absolute abomination. And, and I and I, if 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 you're bought, then at least be smart about it. But what they've done there is is so ridiculously over the top that you just can't take it seriously, Rog. It, it's it's unbelievable. But look, we'll see. I I I I haven't given up hope that he's going to get held to account at all. I'm disappointed in how this is playing out. I watch his daily press conferences with a, a, a cross between amusement and bewilderment. Um, you know, I can't believe the things he's can't saying. Can't believe it. So, Just can't believe it. You know, if I was his, if I was his lawyer, you know, w- when have you ever seen someone commit? a multi-billion dollar fraud and if you want to have a chat with him just pop onto faces put your hand up and he'll have a chat with you I mean, it's just it's mind-boggling to me absolutely mind-boggling the fix is in as they say grant the fix is in um they, we'll they're... see look you know i'm 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 more, I'm more cynical than you most times and and you may well be right um and i and i i, I certainly don't think the fix isn't in but i know these things take time uh and i I hope, Rog, that this is this is this is too big that it can't just go away because there are billions and billions of dollars here, and, and I I just don't think you can run away from this and, and hide it. I just don't think you can, and I hope you can't. But I, I you know I, I I don't remain convinced of that. Mm. And you still believe that it's uh, just the first one off the rank. And we're going to see a whole lot of this kind of oh, stuff. Oh, there's plenty more. There's 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 plenty more. I mean, look, Rog, uh, the, what FTX was doing in terms of saying we've got X amount of assets on our balance sheet, um, the way they valued those things is what all of these things are doing. You know, they create tokens out of thin air. You create a billion tokens, sell the first one for six dollars to someone, and you can say, well, we've got six billion dollars worth of assets on our balance sheet. And that's what's been happening. And that's what all these guys have done because, of course, they have. They were, they were incentivized to do that. So there's, there's a whole bunch of people holding a whole bunch of thin air that they claim is worth billions of dollars and is backing, uh, and they're using it as collateral to back other loans and stuff, and it's just not there. Um, the, the question is, who's next for me, not, not are yeah. we done yet? Yeah, yeah. Listen, talk about the fix spin, and uh, I'm, I'm sure I know the answer to this, but um, have you seen the Harry and Meghan uh, uh, documentary? Have you seen it yet at all? Rog, I, I would not watch three yeah. seconds of that at gunpoint. <laughs> I would Honestly, if you put a gun on my head, you've got to watch it, I'd say just pull the trigger. I, 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 there, I, have, I, I have so little interest in that. Uh, I, I, if the choice was watching it or... Slamming my scrotum in a car door, I'd, I'd, I'd run to the car. See, see, but I, I just think you do have to look at um, and study things. That's why I mean the fixes in. Um, I completely believe this poor lad's getting played uh, and getting played huge. Oh, yes, so do I. And um, it, the idea, which this seems to be, I've seen one and a half episodes, the idea that the race card is a big, big part of this. Um, is, is a shame in some ways because I think she is not one of life's and earth's good people, but it's not because of her race. I, I think she's a charlatan. Um, and this poor lad is getting played and he's burned all his bridges and it's like watching tragedy in front of your eyes, Grant. It, it really is. Well, that's why I can't watch it because I, 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 I feel exactly the same. Um but for me to dress it all up in this self-righteousness, you know, look, you've, you've been paid between Netflix, the book publisher and the podcast, you've been paid 200 million quid. So just go off somewhere quietly and enjoy. You didn't want to be in the limelight. That's what you said. So there's of a way course, out of that. Off of you course. go. Well, of course. You, you that's, you're right, but she's not going to do that because she is um, an actress at the end of the day. But uh, let me end with Netflix and one statement um, I'm sure we'll come yeah. back to this um, in coming weeks with reviews and previews of next year's. But um, we we did say this. This is the quote from Ted Sarandos, Netflix CEO. We are not anti-sports because he was asked about investing in sports. We're not anti-sports. We are just pro-profit. 
That's rich coming from Netflix. That's rich. I mean, like, how do they manage to keep a straight face when they're saying this shit, Grant? I mean, really, how do they how do they manage? Uh, Mate, uh, listen, you you, you know, you know exactly how they manage. No shame. It's perfectly simple. Yeah, but to the normal man in the street, uh, the man on top of the Clapham omnibus, you would uh, logically suggest that Netflix is a company that's profitable. That is um, that looks after its content budget and assesses the return that that spend per minute on content gives to the bottom line, not the top line, not the number of subscribers. And, you know, never ever was such the phrase last chopper out of Saigon. Six months ago, the athletic to the aforementioned NF, NYT. Um, This is going to be the story of 2023. How many of these ones are going to still be around at the start of 2024? Independently, independently. But but look, I mean, Netflix, they've they've reportedly paid um, Harry and Meghan $100 million for this documentary thing, this this six-part, whatever it is. $100 million. $100 million million dollars to those two for that for, for for letting cameras follow them around for a bit and you know share it letting them look at the photos on their phone I mean, it's utterly absurd that's not a business model that is sustainable in the long run but in the short run it is but i suspect when the wheels come off they will come off spectacularly and and you know maybe harry and megan are the last chopper out of saigon and they walk off into the sunset with their hundred million dollars and happy days but you and i both know that you can't go around giving a hundred million dollars to two people for a for a documentary and build a business on that it just doesn't work because you've, no. you've just recalibrated what everyone else expects to get paid and guess what you can't afford it yeah for anybody that's really interested in this um there's been some great analysis of the creative accounting at netflix one by you know a, a common colleague of ours, Stephen um, Clapham from Behind Clapham, the Balance Sheet, yeah. um, but there's been others. Um, don't f- don't fall for the Kool Aid on Netflix. If you look into those numbers all the way through the PL account with proper finance eyes, th- this is something's going to happen to this to this company quite soon. I think. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. You're right. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't take a, a forensic accountant to look at this. Just anyone with a basic understanding of how of how accounting works, and um, it's all there. It's all there. Yeah, that's me done, mate. That's I've got nothing left in the the Santa's bag. All right, my friend. Well, that uh, that means it's time for me to start pacing before the England France game. I'll be just pacing <laughs> up and down I'll, I'll, the hotel I'll, room. Yeah, and, I'll, uh, I'll text you, man. I'll text you as it's going on. And see, uh, I'm going to check my phone and see how many steps I do during this game. Because if it's anything <laughs> like the, the Fulham-Brentford playoff at Wembley a few years ago, it'll be in the thousands as I walk around and around the room. Well, best of luck, mate. Um, uh, like I say, uh, I think on balance, I do want England to get through. I don't really like Mbappe and that whole thing. I don't like Deshaun Pyther, to be honest. Um, so, listen, um, land of hope and glory. Take care, my friend and all that. See you, buddy. Take care.